So it is a very deep core resonance, vibration that attracts one person to another in the sense of like attracts like. Jumbo fellow adventurer, it's Mike Dooley here to remind you of how powerful you are and how much you deserve by sharing spiritual tune-ups. These are live broadcasts Monday through Friday, each lasting 5 to 15 minutes where I answer viewers' questions, bringing lofty metaphysical concepts down to earth for your immediate traction. You were born to succeed. You are pushed on to greatness every single day. Your positive thoughts are at least 10,000 times more powerful than your negative thoughts. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy a week's worth of spiritual tune-ups. Jumbo fellow adventurers and welcome to a spiritual tune-up this sunny, beautiful day in Orlando, Florida. Uh, I'm Mike Dooley and here to answer some really great questions tongue twisters or mind benders, if you will. Why so many contradictions when it comes to spiritually, spiritualese, the language of metaphysics? The first great question posted just last night. If like attracts like, and we've all heard that, okay? Like attracts like. You don't get what you want. You don't get what you need. You get more of what you are. If like attracts like, then why is there so much credence given to the old adage, opposites attract, typically in romantic relationships. Opposites attract. Oh boy, I think we all know a little bit about opposites attracting. You know, it's, it's when somebody shows up and they reveal a side of life that we've been oblivious to, and it's so attractive. So, how do you reconcile these two things? It's very, very simple. Uh, the thing that is an attractor within each of us is at a very deep core level. Okay, it's not like I like chocolate and she likes chocolate. You know, like attracts like. It's not about the color you like. It's not about the movies you like. It's not about the music you like, necessarily. Could be similarities there. It's not about these superficial things that have been adopted by you or somebody else, you know, on the fly in our brief time on earth. Each life is a brief spell on earth and we're eternal ancient gladiators. We have thousands, tens of thousands, a hundred thousand lifetimes under our belt and we existed eternally prior to the illusions of time and space. So it is a very deep core resonance, vibration, that attracts one person to another in the sense of like attracts like. It's the goodness level of a person. It is maybe the fear levels of a personality. It is the inquisitive levels of a personality. It is not relevant if somebody is an extrovert and somebody is an introvert. Oh, they're so different that they may not be different at all. Just different upbringings, but the same vibration on the inside that attracts one person to another. The next of four, so we've got one down and three to go. The next seeming contradiction, Mike, if health is our default setting, and it is, just like abundance, joy, clarity, 
if health is our default setting, why would we ever get sick? Hmm. Okay, what is sickness to you? Talking about health, we're talking about physical body. It works with the same for mental health. But what is sickness to, to somebody's definition? A sore throat, a, a virus. Um, these are not reflections of a broken body. These are not reflections of a sick body. These are manifestations of a healthy body going through mental turmoil. And what does a healthy body do when there's internal strife and contradiction? It manifests a sore throat. It manifests a sickness. It catches a cold or a flu or AIDS or a pandemic. I'm not making light of these uh, gigantic ailments, including cancer. But everything is a function of our thoughts and the ease or dis-ease of what's going on here and a sick body is actually a healthy body reacting to imbalance in uh, the mental circuitry here. So in this light, there's no such thing as a sick body or why does somebody get sick? The valid question would be, how do we get so scrambled in our minds sometimes? And the answer is really simple. We don't go within. We don't align with truth. We uh, assume things to be factual when it's just our parents' opinions. Uh, we don't tune into our own resonance, our own spirit, heart-based inclinations, intuition. And so, you know, we think we want wealth and abundance, but wealth and abundance is the root of all evil. And so we've got this inner yin and yang pulling literally the fabric of our essence apart, manifesting ailments. But in the deeper sense, it's all healthy, it's all good, and every sickness, every illness, coronavirus included, is the beginning of a greater healing as we march into brighter, greater lights that will eliminate the contradictions we didn't know we had prior to the symptoms showing up. The third seeming contradiction. If everything was perfect where we were, if everything is perfect in heaven, why would we have ever chosen to come here? Well, um, because it's perfect here? Uh, because it's fun? Because we could? Because we'd be safe? Because no matter what happened, we'd be more for it? Because in the blink of an eye, watch this, we're back in the palm of God's hand? Imagine before the illusions of time, space, matter, here, there, and otherwise, we were, in essence, everywhere, always, at once. God was everywhere, always, at once. And in the little rendition of my story, Lost in Space, subsequently retitled An Adventurer's Guide into the Jungles of Time and Space, it's as if God created this bastion of perfection floating through the cosmos. And suddenly there was a, a place. There was no such thing as a place. Everything was happening simultaneously. God was everywhere always at once. There was no way you could have a place and be everywhere always at once. You'd have to dim your awareness of being everywhere always at once to be aware of a single place as if it was different from all other places. The same thing with 
locating yourself in time. The only way you could believe in here and now, or let's just better say, the only way you could believe in September 8th, um, 922 Eastern Time is if you believed you were there and everything else was not part of this occurrence. Suddenly, God, if you will, divine intelligence had this idea to create dimensions where God could show up and appear and feel distinct from all else that was created. Revolutionary, mind-boggling, the cutting edge of reality creation is to go somewhere and fleetingly forget that you're everywhere always at once. Whoa, lions and tigers and bears never existed until this. Neither did Romeo or Juliet or anything uh, wonderful in the way we experience these things within time and space. So suddenly by believing in a here and believing in a now and believing in a there, game on. Now it's all happening inside of God. Um, and it's all perfect and our thoughts become things. But until we are fully self-realized, it will constantly seem like life is happening to us. We better react. You better prepare, safeguard, buy insurance. Crazy stuff is happening at all times to the most unsuspecting, wonderful people, you know, leading you to believe you're vulnerable. And hence the question, gosh, if, why would we come here when stuff can happen to us, when there nothing could happen to us? But here nothing can happen to us either that is not of our own ordination. Our thoughts become things. And this is the hook of living in these sacred jungles of time and space. We're here creating them while we're simultaneously reacting to them. We are streaming manifestors and we're like, look, lions, tigers, and bears without realizing we created those lions and tigers and bears. Talk about a game. I mean, no, no Microsoft or Intel or whatever those game boards will ever compare to you creating your reality now and waking up to discover this mid-dream and then behold the kingdom of heaven. And we all have this at our fingertips, it's only a thought away, hence these tune-ups, hence all of my work, hence the work of so many other people in spiritual realms as we move closer to the light, out of the funk, and realize paradise beckons. It is beneath our very feet this very moment, no matter who, no matter how, no matter when. Game on. All right, so that's why we came here, uh, so that we could realize that it's heaven on earth. Uh, and then finally, why does God let evil things happen? This hurts. This is difficult. And I've got to tell you that with the proper lens, immersed in just enough truth, suddenly we see things in a totally different light. Like, for instance, if I go to the doctor and he or she gives me uh, a shot of penicillin or something, um, in that moment, it's hideous, disgusting, violation of my skin and my well-being. It is all bad. But stand back from the equation, the infection's gone, and I'm healed and stronger than I was before. Suddenly, in context, the icky, ugly prick in my arm um, is part of a greater expansion into my well-being. But with a microscope, it's all bad. As challenging as this may 
be to understand. The truth is nothing that happens in time and space doesn't eventually make everything better for everyone. Now I know there's, there's truly hideous, disgusting, awful things that people do to people. Um, and in that moment, like the prick in the skin, there's no good and it's all bad. And I'm not justifying. I'm not ever going to say it is a good thing that something was violated. But if you stand back far enough from the equation, you would see order, meaning, purpose, love, and healing, no matter how disgusting it was. And I'm not denying the disgusting. I'm not justifying it. I'm not saying it's okay. Please throw them in jail and throw away the key and do all those things that society wants to do. You know, I'm not going to get into that debate. I just want to say the question is valid. Why does God let evil things happen? If every bad thing could be seen as the seed to one billion good things, if every bad, ugly, evil, vile, disgusting thing was in truth a seed to one trillion good things that will roll through eternity forevermore, would there be any such thing as a bad thing? It would be, and I know you could still say yes, let's not split hairs. There is order, there is meaning. When we can't see it doesn't mean it's not there. Okay, we are all sparks of God. We're all here by choice. We all knew it could get dicey and it could get ugly. And we all knew that there'd be a, a higher path that we would all meet up and rendezvous on later on. Jumbo, fellow adventurers. Oh boy. Do we have a doozy for you today? My heart is with the questioner. My gosh, let me start from the top. Jail time looming, two daughters, how to visualize. Mike, I messed up big time a few years ago and because of that, I'm awaiting sentencing for possible jail time. I'm really struggling with how to visualize my way out of it. My lawyer says I'll definitely get jail time, but I know the power of God is stronger. I'm just having a hard time harnessing it and keeping the positive vibes going. I'm not at all concerned about me, going to jail, etc. My only concerns are for my two daughters. It's only me and them, and I truly worry what will happen to them if I have to be incarcerated for two or more years. Okay, you're not alone, and I'm so uh, touched um, and honored that you asked this question. Um, I've got seven points to make for you. Um, I, I could just feel what you're going through, the horror, the fear, the vulnerability. Um, I think I have good news for you, if that's the right way to put it. First of all, number one, visualize your freedom and being with your daughters. Do not visualize the judge. Do not visualize your lawyers. Do not visualize the process. Visualize the outcome. And when you visualize, feel euphoric joy, even if you totally have to fake it. For five minutes a day, that's it. Five minutes a day, maybe before the day begins, in a quiet place, get there in that zone of thank you, God, thank you, God, thank you, God. 
it paid off it worked uh, everything is going well i'm with my daughters we're gonna go away for the holidays my, i'm just it's done it's behind you do not go into logistics that's number one number two you don't have to be crazy positive to turn anything around nor to live the life of your dreams just do what you can with what you've got i know from the depths of despair when i thought my world was crumbling around me and to the physical senses it was by just doing what i could and even during my visualization i would worry but still by doing what i could the mark was made and everything turned around. So in your question, you're having trouble keeping the vibes high. Who could keep their vibes high in this situation? All right, I want you to understand that that's not the assignment. Just create a window of time, a window in your mind of a world where everything is good and all of this is behind you and you're crying happy tears. Number three, the contrition in your question is clear. You made a big time mistake. I would do all I can, if it's even possible, to present myself in front of the judge, the jury, however this goes, I would take the initiative and I would beg, beg, beg on my hands and knees. I would literally beg on my hands and knees for another chance for forgiveness, for hope, for possibilities, uh, to be with your daughters. There's no shame in telling them what this is about. Acknowledge the mistake, acknowledge the wrong, acknowledge the harm. Um, I would beg, literally beg. And along those lines, number four, I would seek to, I would seek to take the initiative on alternative forms of penance or redemption you know and do this now if you can volunteer for hospice if you can volunteer for a shelter if you can volunteer to help people who suffered whatever harm you inflicted on someone else this will not only work miracles in your heart and soul teaching you even more profoundly the lessons that needed to be learned but it will truly move and affect others who may have uh, the decision to make about whether or not you go to jail. But don't do it just for them. Make amends. Pay the penance. Take the initiative. Go out there and do it, okay? And maybe do it for as long as your soul calls you to do it, if not the rest of your entire life. Be that change. Take the initiative. Number five. Understand your daughters are not frail. Your daughters are not vulnerable. They are towering beings of light who knew what they were getting into when they chose you to be their mom and they chose wisely. Your care and confidence, your compassion is very evident in this question. So uh, it is important that you treat them as responsible, intelligent young ladies who are looking for their place in life, who have within them what they need to succeed and thrive and, and make good choices and do not see them as something that, that the fickle winds of time can blow about like a dandelion. 
They are gladiators of joy. They are here to support you. They love and adore you as much as you adore them. Number six, you still got to be their mom. They want you and need you to be your mom. Do not shrink under these circumstances. You made a mistake. Guess who else is in that boat? All of us. We all make mistakes. We came here to make mistakes, to learn and move towards the light. There is no one who hasn't made big mistakes. Okay, and so now you're in a position where you've got to face the judge and hear your sentence, but you can influence it. Do not shrink. Do not see yourself as beneath anybody. Recognize the mistake. Know that you're destined for greatness, that you were born to thrive. You're pushed on to greatness. In the eyes of God and the universe, you are already entirely forgiven. But be their mom now. I want you to make a plan with your daughters. I want you to make a plan before you stand before the judge. I want you to under, have them understand that you have your dignity and they can keep their dignity and that there's no shame in making a mistake and paying the dues or whatever you call it that society uh, wants to exact upon you. Stand and be counted and be their mom. The plan will be communication. The plan will be mutual respect. The plan will be to continue reading. The plan will be to guide them to really great books that are age appropriate for them to understand life's grace and magic, their power and the infinite possibilities. The plan is even if you get put away for two years, you'll still be in contact and you'll still have the best of your life after those years. So be their mom. You must continue to, to be on that mantle and to call the shots and to let them know that making a mistake has not diminished your power, nor your love, nor your sense of responsibility for them. You are totally capable of doing this if you can ask this brilliant question with your open heart. And number seven, when you are granted clemency, when you are forgiven by the system, maybe the day you stand before the judge in weeks or months time or at the end of a sentence, never forget what you went through, never forget these lessons and pay it forward. You will be cut slack. I know you will be cut slack. I know it's going to be better than you think it's going to be. And when that comes, you pay it forward and never stop paying it forward for the rest of your life. No one can manipulate other people through their thoughts. You can't make that judge give you clemency right now, but you can influence them. And your attorney, while your attorney means well and is trying to guide you in the most practical way and your attorney has told you that you have to go to jail, your attorney does not know all. Your attorney does not know metaphysics. Your attorney does not know your connection with the divine. So you can do your best. You will do your best. You will hold your head high. You will stand and be counted. You will be that mom that your daughters chose you to be. Um, and this is going to turn out okay. You will be grateful for this <clears throat> baptism by fire. Your daughters will be awed and impressed by this baptism of fire. You are going to plead your case. You're going to beg for mercy. And if they say, well, I'm sorry, but you have to do your time, then you'll go do your time with dignity. You've got a plan in place with your daughters. It's going to be okay. We all knew the stage we were choosing our lives <clears throat> to live on. 
We all knew the probabilities that mom might make a mistake. I might make a mistake. We all might make a mistake. We're going to stay in this together. So hold your head high, sister. Sending you lots of love from Orlando, Florida. You're going to be okay. Jumbo fellow adventurers, Mike Dooley here with a spiritual tune-up. Super happy and jazzed to answer this great question that we sent in by one of you. Please post your questions below in Facebook and Instagram. This is a question I dearly wish I had the answer to 40 years ago. In fact, I even asked it during a session that was being channeled to me and I got a bum answer. Hey, I wasn't ready for the right answer at the time. So here we go. What is the difference between enlightenment and awakening? In detail, the questioner asked, if I've been studying spirituality for over 20 years, how do I know if I've awakened? Does it feel like something specific or perhaps it comes so gradually that you don't really feel different? Sometimes I think I need to feel a specific way or see blatant evidence in order to claim that I am officially awakened. The question I asked a channeler 40 years ago when I lived in Boston was, you know, how do I get to enlightenment? And this very wise being through the telephone told me, oh, no, no, that's not how it works. Everybody has lessons and everybody is progressing. It's not about get to enlightenment. I will tell you today that in my view, that answer was dead wrong. Uh, it, the answer is so exciting. It is my main focus in life today. It is the biggest thing I want for my life today. And let me get into some detail with you. Um, I got a boost and a leg up on this topic from my dear friend, Sarah Landon, L-A-N-D-O-N.com. Check her out. Um, she channels the council. The council spoke in terms of awakening versus enlightenment. Okay, awakening, uh, you're already there. You're 100% in the awakening mode that you're even watching me right now. Probably you get notes from the universe. You understand that God's not some angry white dude that put you here to test you, judge you, and sentence you. You are full bore, totally on track in the fast lane for awakening. The majority of planet Earth, human inhabitants that is, are just now turning that bend, moving away from either organized religion or... Um, an extreme emphasis on science and statistics and objectivity and finally leaning in to what is patently obvious. There is beauty and order and brilliance and intelligence that permeates the physical universe, including every cell of your body and every wafting, waving energy in your thought system, thereby source energy, God, Divine intelligence, it's real, it came first, then there was evolution. Okay, this is awakening. Your thoughts become things, there's a law of attraction. Oh my God, you're hot, 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 getting hotter. But let me tell you, through a series of books I've read and my own inner deeper insistence that there was a greater answer, there is a difference between awakening 
and being truly enlightened. Let me describe enlightenment to you. Enlightenment is when you blend your ego-driven, biologically sustained ego with, your, with its spiritual counterpart. There is the you egoically that emerges from the body which protects and honors and worries like crazy about your survival and your joy and your everything and becomes a micromanager and it has over the millennia pushed out our own spiritual identity because we have a spiritual identity perhaps you could call it the soul but it's more refined than that because it pertains to this existence and this incarnation whereas the soul pertains to many incarnations when we can blend the biological ego with the spiritual ego the spiritual ego takes over the spiritual ego does this coupling when suddenly it's like a million jillion gigawatts of energy goes through your body and completely raises your uh, energetic vibration to a higher level to a degree which you would not even recognize what your eyes show you and what your heart tells you. You would still be you. And I'm going to give you some sourcing for exactly these concepts uh, so that they can confirm your own inner suspicions as they have confirmed mine. Because it makes total sense. I just read a book and I'll share it with you. And it's saying, yeah, you only use 10% of your brain because your ego, your biological ego can only sustain and power 10% of your brain. Your physical biological ego cannot handle nor power nor operate this unbelievably magnificent biological physical creation called the brain but your spiritual essence was designed to completely light it up and suddenly radiating at unimaginable degrees of love you have a full panorama with inner senses and outer senses that can answer any question you could speak any language. You could literally walk on water, walk through walls, um, telekinesis, uh, uh, raise your vibration. You can ascend. You can be joyful. You can be a light. You can go to other realms. You can go past. You can go into the future. You can go into parallels. You know, there's still a point, And this is what my answer from the channel 40 years ago was getting at. Live your life now. Figure this stuff out. Deal with what's on your plate. Uh, um, unravel the mysteries that are tugging at your heart. And this kind of enlightenment will follow. And perhaps that channel was thinking that I wanted the enlightenment first without going through my own dark night of the soul and without me finally surrendering the biological ego that, that micromanages my life. The answer to your question is there is a gigantic unbelievable profound difference between awakening and bullet being fully enlightened i've had little glimmerings uh, i draw on those glimmerings i dwell on them i visualize them i project them and this is my personal goal other than happy house happy family uh, and fulfillment in my life my personal goal is total enlightenment in this lifetime. The energies of the world are changing so much that it is easier now than it was 2,000 years ago or even two years ago, which is what Sarah and many other channels um, have 
shared with me. But the, the books I wanted to tell you, the first book that spoke profoundly on enlightenment way beyond awakening was Ramtha, the white book. Then last December, I read Autobiography of a Yogi, such an inspiring story, a real autobiography of a real yogi. I'm sure you've heard of this book. It's a mega, mega bestseller. And it's really from a human perspective of seeking truth. Super exciting if you're into enlightenment or you want to get there yourself. Then I read the Hermetica. This is extracts of the Emerald Tablet. This is the best compilation I've ever read by a million years, way better than Oh, several others, Timothy Freck and Peter, you're going to have to pause this video or rewind to see these again. Timothy Freck, Peter Gandhi. And then lately, my newest book that's just lit me up. I've shared this with you several times. The Third Millennium by Ken Carey. Rest in peace, brother Ken. The Third Millennium. Cannot even put words to how profound those four books were. If I was going to go out to outer space for a millennia right now, I'd take those four books with me and maybe nothing else. Pictures of my wife and daughter. Um, I can't even get excited enough to tell you what awaits every single one of us. You know, be here now. Live your life fully. Don't be distracted by these bells and whistles to the degree that you ignore the fires burning in your own home. This is the key to enlightenment. Go deep. If you've got something bothering you, journal it out, feel it out, compare it to the truth. The truth is absolute. The higher you get on the rungs of ladder towards truth, the higher your vibration until suddenly that mystical moment will come. Oh, another good book, Siddhartha, the classic by Herman Hesse. There's um, two or three instances referenced of moments of enlightenment by the character and his guru Siddhartha one of the most famous novels a very short read check that book out it's awaiting you it's awaiting me this is what's going on our vibrations are rising much of the world is saying no no not me I'm not ready bring me back the good old days but it's going to get better than it has ever been and soon there will be many walking among us who are truly enlightened and who are truly straddling both worlds and who will be truly living their life as a human life was meant to live. The state of enlightenment is our natural state. We are just way whacked out of our natural being. We got lost eating the forbidden fruit as I outlined in my very first spiritual tune-up back in March. But now we're moving back towards balance. It's a matter of surrender. It's not like you got to make something happen. you got to just relax and float to the surface of pure love that's been there all along. Jumbo fellow adventurers, time for another spiritual tune-up. This is a time every day, five days a week, when I try to put some meaning and traction to otherwise lofty ideas that are not always so crystal clear. Yet life is the ultimate knowable. And if we ask the hard questions, as you'll see in today's Q&A, we can find the answers. So today's question um, summarized the key to rebounding from anything. Specifically, I've been through so much drama and trauma, Mike. I feel fatally flawed. Can you give me hope? Who? I think we all scrape the bottom of the barrel 
at one point or another, maybe multiple times in our lives. I, I certainly have. And I can really resonate with the questioner. I can remember a time in my life two decades ago when I would literally look around the world that I inhabited, whether I was out running errands or in a grocery store and see people smiling. And I would wonder if I would ever be happy again. My heart was broken. My business was in sad shape. I had no idea what I would do with the rest of my life. And I was weeks away from turning 40. That would scare you. Um, but boy, did I find that the best was yet to come. And here is the key. While you may not be able to understand what you've just been through, why you went through it, nor your role in its creation, because you had one, you can still nevertheless always understand the nature of reality. It is the ultimate knowable. It is simple. It is benign. It is friendly. It is loving. Contrary to appearances, it's on your side and so is time. Dig within. Go there. Get to know life. Start knowing life. How do you know life? Well, you're doing something right now watching this. But better than watching me is create some stillness and some peace from time to time throughout every day and ask the big questions. Who am I? Why am I here? What am I doing with my life? And how can I change things? And the answers will be drawn to you. Not in that second. Maybe not with words that they're dressed up in, but as feelings, as hunches, and you will inevitably be able to connect some dots and realize the patently obvious, that life is beautiful and filled with intelligence and meaning. It's not an accident. There is an, a mind, if you will, that set it all into place. There couldn't be such beauty, splendor, serendipities, miracles, consciousness, period, without intelligence. And you are of that intelligence. You have to be. You didn't come from some goop out in the shed in the back of God's 40 acres. You are of God, by God, pure God. There's no other explanation. And that means you're here by choice, God's choice. That means you are who God most wanted to be. That means you are who you most wanted to be. And you wouldn't have come here if you couldn't ultimately soar. You knew there'd be lessons. You knew you'd fall down. That's okay. It's all happening in the palm of God's hand. But you knew you would always have the ability to get back up. And you don't have to explain what you've been through to otherwise see these truths. To understand that your power comes from your focus. To understand that everything is here for you. To understand that you ordain all that has ever happened to you in your life. Then, like me, 20 years ago, you might say, I don't know how the hell I created this mess, but I know my thoughts become things. I know that there are good things waiting for me. I know I can move forward with baby steps in the dark down sucky dirt paths and be transformed. And good God almighty, does it happen? And I am not the only success story. There are countless millions, billions out there. And you don't have to go rock the world. You don't have to go save humanity. You don't have to do anything other than put a smile on your own face. And sometimes the best way to do that is help somebody else put a smile on their face. It's so easy. The best things in life are free, but that doesn't limit you to the cheap stuff. 
You can have abundance and luxury and opulence. There's nothing unspiritual about that. So if you've been through something painful, if you've been through something difficult, if you wonder what's wrong with you, chuck it out the window. Begin with today. Then one day you can look back over your shoulder and say, what was that mess all about? What did I ever do to create that, that, that bag of garbage? And if you're like me, you'll look back and you won't even be able to find the so-called train wreck. You'll see that there was divine order. For me, I look back and the dark night of my soul was the beginning of my greatest dreams coming true. But in the commotion, I couldn't see it. I couldn't even feel it. Everything looked bad. I felt totally broken, leading one to normally draw the conclusion, you know, I'm fatally flawed. Life sucks. I'm an idiot. It won't work for me. I'm getting too old. I've been there. I've done that. You're not too old. You're watching this. The best is yet to come. And one more little caveat. When you're connecting those dots and you're understanding the nature of reality, and you realize you are of God by God, that you're here by choice, that you can change your circumstances, that happiness is only a thought and a few manifestations away, then I want you to understand, this is a tough one, that the way to get full power on is to accept full responsibility for everything that has ever happened to you everything that has ever happened to you. You do not have to explain it. That's the key. You do not have to explain it. I don't know why I would have created that. I don't know what was going on. I don't know what happened in a past life. I don't know why at four years old I got thrown under the bus, but I had a role in it. It's playing itself out for me and I can live deliberately and create consciously from this point forward, full power restored. If you have one iota of a thought that says wacky crappy things could happen to anybody for no good reason then those things will happen to you so get rid of it i create it i'll create it all i'll understand the past when the time is right now i understand the nature of reality let's get it on Well, there you have it. One more week's worth of spiritual tune-ups. Thanks for tuning in. If you enjoyed what you just saw or heard, please share with a friend, uh, thumbs up, like, follow, whatever may be the case on the platform you're now experiencing this. If you want more inspiration, every single day I send out a note from the universe. Right now it's going out to a million people. We'd love to add you to that list. Enjoy. Thoughts become things. See you next time.